The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Thank you, Abby. And thank you, AJ. Appreciate that worship there. That first song, as you may have perceived, I have a cold, so um, that was kind of a put your headphones on, get back in the recliner and worship, Um, but uh, I appreciate that little chill selection there. Um, Just a quick thing, I was out of town last week, I was in Houston, um, not for the basketball games, but I was on an accreditation visit reviewing another school, almost as exciting as basketball games, Um, and uh, while I was there, I got this wonderful cold, and uh, so... um, you know, the proper thing to do when you're trying to fight a cold is to come out to the Highland Games and stay in the gym till one o'clock in the morning watching you yahoos do your thing out there. Um, But it was great. It was fun to see you guys there. Uh, And because I wasn't here last week, I wasn't able to give kudos to all of you that were in the musical uh, last week, the South Pacific. Um, So good job there. Um, If you found my ID, it was deactivated, so sorry that you couldn't get into all the things you wanted to get into um, doing that. But really, you guys did a great job with the musical. Uh, it was extra fun uh, seeing the, the orchestra back there and the live music and all of that. So I know tons of work went into that, um, and you guys should be proud of yourselves. And Patty and I enjoyed our time here, so thank you for that. Um, and again, the Highland Games, it was fun to, to watch you guys do that. And I need to give a shout out to those of you that were fed the McDonald's stuff. That was tough. But Zach pounded it down, man. That guy was ready for round two. Um, uh, Others didn't fare so well. We won't mention any names, Caleb. But uh, (laughs) uh, anyway, good job, everybody. And I know SPA and others that worked hard to put the games on. uh, Good job there. Um, Let me pray. And, uh, and we'll dive in. Father, the scripture that uh, was read uh, just points to one word, love. Uh, you loved us, and as a result of that, you call us to love others. And that's not hard. Uh, and the reason it's hard is because of us. Uh, we make a mess of things. But Lord, your love initiated We couldn't do anything. You made the first move. You loved us. And so, Lord, as we talk openly, as we talk frankly about some things, I pray that you would cause us to examine ourselves and to understand our responsibility. If we claim to know you, there's just not this thing that we do, love others. It's a command that we love others. And as I said, we botch it. I've botched it many times. And uh, so, Lord, as we look into the word, uh, would you open our hearts to what you have to say to us? We love you, Lord. We thank you for loving us. In your name we pray. Amen. What do you want me to do for you? Uh, Because I was sick, we stayed home yesterday and we watched a church that my son goes to out in Oregon. And that was a question that the pastor posed. It was, if you look in the Gospel of John, the very first words out of Jesus' mouth were, who are you seeking? 
And usually if you're looking for somebody, it's because you want something. You usually don't hunt somebody down and say, oh good, I found you, and walk away. There's, there's something that you want. And so the disciples were there, and they're looking, and Jesus says, who are you seeking? And throughout the Gospels, you see Jesus encountering people. Sometimes it's said intentionally. Sometimes it's intended in there, and we don't see it written. But people are coming to Jesus, and they want something. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he is begging for them to say it to him. What do you want? Say it. Just say it. But for some reason, they can't. The disciples could. They said it to Jesus. The centurion with his son uh, came and asked Bartimaeus with his sight. And on and on, these people came. They wanted something from Jesus. And Jesus begged to hear it from them. He does the same for us. Are you able to come to God with your deepest needs, your deepest hurts, those deepest desires? What is it that aches inside of you that has you gripped so deeply that even bringing it to Jesus seems impossible? And it's terrifying. But yet Jesus is there and he is compelling us, just say it. I want to know what's on your heart. You know, over the last few weeks, there have been some things on campus uh, that haven't been so hot. We have seen people doing things, some students to other students that have been ugly. In person and online, TikTok, someone... Don't know if it's a student or not. I think some of you do. Taking pictures of athletes and putting them up there and then commenting one by one, smash, pass. And you laugh. Why? Why do you laugh? Some of you saw it and were probably disgusted. Others of you just kept scrolling on TikTok. It's just one more thing. You're so intoxicated by the scroll that you don't pay attention. You just live in that world that's out there. What in the heck are we doing? When God's word says, if you love me and you hate your brothers, you're a liar. We're going to get to that verse. How do you deal with that? Now I stand up here As the perfect guy, beautiful in all that I do, never making a mistake, having to look back there and see my wife and my mother, (laughs) who could come up here and go on and on about things that Rick has done. So how do we as a campus, as a student body, how do we deal with this? Well, I think it comes back to this question that Jesus has asked. What do you want me to do for you? Because I can tell you this, if it's a student at Cairn who's professed to know Christ that's posting that online, there is something deep inside that person that is making them do that for some reason, covering up some mess that they have that hurts so deep that they have to cover it with stuff like that. And then some of us, 
And I don't know what I would have done if I'd have been in college. I'm glad I wasn't in college when the internet was there, when phones were there, when TikTok, TikTok and all that stuff was there. I don't know what I would have been like. I'm a little scared to tell. But we sit by passively while our friends, our fellow students are trashed online. Is that love? Or is it online and so it doesn't really count? I believe that the Lord is the Lord of everything. And what goes online comes out of our heart. And so if it comes out of our heart, God has something to do with it. Back to the scriptures that Abby read. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down the li- our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. So I just want to talk with you about loving one another. I don't speak as an expert, unless making a mess out of it makes me an expert by my experience in doing it the wrong way. I mentioned that Patty is back there. A few of you know our story of how we came together in college and that trial and my perseverance and patience waiting for Patty to get her mind straight and right with God and fall in love with me like she was supposed to. <laughs> you know that story, and it was, it's a fun story now. It wasn't a fun story then. There was a lot of aches and pains. But on July 18th, 1987, I looked back up the aisle of Battle Creek Bible Church, and there came my bride. Unbelievable. It happened. It really, really happened. And I left the church that day, and we got in my little white Nova, and off we went on our honeymoon. And yes, thank you, Lord. Fast forward a few months. We're living in Fort Wayne, Indiana, small apartment. Patty's a third grade teacher. I'm going to Grace Seminary, working on my MDiv. That's important to note for the rest of the story. I also worked at UPS, so I got up at like 2 in the morning, drove to UPS, loaded up those beautiful brown package cars that you see driving around. On days that I didn't go to seminary, I painted apartments and coached soccer, but on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I went off to seminary. One day, coming home from seminary, it was dinner time, uh, and I walked in, Patty was cooking, excuse me, and in our apartment, there were two ways. Come in the front door. If you took an immediate right, you walked through our little pass-through kitchen to the dining area, and that opened up in the living room. But if you came in the door and went straight, it went to the living room there. So you could run laps if you wanted to around there. And no, I didn't chase Patty around in there and all that kind of stuff. I probably did, but I don't know. Anyway, this one particular day, I came home. Patty was in there cooking. I had my briefcase, I walked through, I'm sure that I gave her a kiss. I looked and I said something, I don't know what I said to this day. I walked in this way, put my briefcase down, came back in, and as I was coming this way, Patty was going this way, back to our bedroom in tears. And I'm like, what did I do? 
And I go back to the bedroom, and there's Patty in tears. And this wonderful person, this wonderful woman that I had pursued my senior year of college, that I had prayed about over and over and over, and the joy that I had on that day when she became my bride, I had just trashed her with my words. What love. And so love compelled me to apologize to Patty. And upon reflection and talking to the Lord, I was like, Lord, please don't ever let me forget what this feels right, feels like right now. Because the thing I wanted the most in the world, you gave me, and I just trashed it. Don't ever let me forget that. And I haven't. I'd like to say that I've never spoken an ill word to Patty since, but I'm sure that I have. But she's here, and she loves me. Maybe she should come up and finish this message. <laughs> but I want us to look at 1 John chapter 4, because he kind of goes back to what he spoke about in John, 1 John chapter 3, and he kind of expounds on it, and I want us to look quickly at these verses. So out of the hurts, the foolish things that we do, there's love. And this is what John writes, starting in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the, God, is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. John wrote to the church, in the first century, <clears throat> late in that first century, probably around 90 AD, so a good 50 years plus after Jesus was gone, Jesus, or John was late in his years, and he writes this incredibly impassioned letter because division had broken out, schisms had come out, people were teaching wrong things, and he needed to point people back to God. 
to knowing God. What does knowing God look like? That intimate relationship, not just a head knowledge, which some people had turned it into, but an intimate relationship. And it's the intimacy that Jesus speaks of when he calls to the disciples and he calls to you and me and says, what are you looking for? What can I do for you? So I want you to ponder that question as we look through these verses very quickly. Verse 7, just a simple statement, love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And so there's that relationship that he talks about knowing again, is not this head knowledge. It's an intimate relationship. So I know a lot of things, but some things I have delved into deeply. There are relationships. I know a lot of people, but Patty, I know intimately. There's a relationship that we have from walking these 35 plus years together, and we have enjoyed that relationship And it's reciprocal, and it gives back and forth, but it's from God. It's just a simple statement. Love is from God. He is the initiator. He wants a relationship. You know that. That's nothing new to you, but it has to be acted on or it's nothing. Verse 8, if you do not love, you are not living in relationship as God intended. If God is love, we must love. It's the fruit of that intimate relationship. And God says in Matthew 7, you will know them by their fruits. Well, what are those fruits? Well, Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love. So you will know them. Yeah, it goes on and on. I just wanted the love thing. <clears throat> It is the fruit that comes out of that relationship. If you know him and you have that intimate relationship, his essence will begin to shine through you. It just has to. There are differences about me today because of my relationship with Patty. And the world is a better place because of that. She has knocked the edge off of some things that Rick has done. Rick knows to keep himself in check in certain areas because of Patty's graciousness. It's the same thing with the Lord. The way that he pours into us, we get captivated by his essence. And when we're filled with him, we can only overflow with things of him. It's what relationship does. And so that's what knowing him is about. Verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And here is an important part of the relationship, something that is a dynamic that happens because of God's initiation, uh, initiative into our life. We can live through him. Sorry, Galatians 2.20. I went blank. Um, Oh, someone get me started. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In this life, I live. I live by faith in the Son of God. That's that intimacy. 
that intimacy leads us to the point where we are crucified with Christ. Like, God, I can't do it. I can't. And so I'm giving myself to you because you have got to live through me. And how am I going to do that? God, you have given your grace to me, and by faith, I'm going to glatch on to that grace that I can live for you. And so this love that God gives us through the intimate relationship begins to overflow, and we live our life not motivated by the world, but by the love that God pushes through us by his Spirit. Verse 10, and this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the payment for our sins. Romans 5, 8 takes us a little bit further. But God demonstrates his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It says in 1 John, not because we loved him first, Paul takes it a little bit deeper and says, oh, we weren't even close to loving him. We were his enemy. We were living in sin. Everything we did was contrary to who he is and what he wants. But in the midst of that, God says, listen, I've got to step over this. I've got to wipe this away so that I can be in a relationship with you again like we were in the Garden of Eden. And so I don't care about this stuff. I'm going to pay for it. Don't worry about the depth of it, the extent of it, how long you've been doing it, whatever it is. Don't worry about that. There is a bridge, and that bridge comes through the blood of my son so that we can love one another and have that intimate relationship. And so in verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. We are to be holy because he is holy. We are to be merciful because he's merciful. And we're to love because he is love. One of my favorite passages, Romans chapter 5, first few verses. At the end of Romans, well, first few chapters of Romans, Paul leaves us without excuse. We are in sin. We are dead in our sin. No one is without sin and we are lost. And then in Romans 4, he begins to introduce this concept of faith. And it says, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And then it picks up in Romans 5. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult in hope of the glory of God. And it says, not only this, we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character, and proven character results in hope. Well, that's a weird word. Hope. But then he expounds on what he means by hope. And hope does not disappoint. It's not the hope that we have. I hope I get this. I hope Patty makes something good for dinner tonight. It's not this hope that's kind of maybe. God's hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so here's this love. If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. And how can we do that? 
because God has put his spirit within us that allows us to live and love like only he can. He begins to work through us. And how? Well, here's the how. I want you to listen. Listen to how many times the word abide shows up in these next few verses. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he abides in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he abides in God. We abide in God so that we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. You might think that John's trying to make a point about the word abide. Think for a minute. Where did John hear Jesus talking about abiding in a very passionate, intimate moment? with Jesus alone with the disciples. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, same brings forth much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm sure that as John was penning these words, he's picturing Jesus and his fellow disciples gathered around him hearing the analogy of the vine and the branches. We get that same thing. We've been grafted in right into the heart of the vine so that that vine will live and flow through us. John 17 and uh, verses 17 and 18 there, John speaks the confidence that comes through the abiding and living in his love. Verse 19, it's so simple. We love because he first loved us. It just comes down to that simplicity. We can love because he first loved us. And then, man, John, why didn't you stop right there? It would have been beautiful. But he throws in 20 and 21, and we have to reckon with it. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. Wow. Don't raise your hand. How many liars do we have in the room? <laughs> that would be the don't raise your hand part. <clears throat> yeah, every hand. We're all there. So, do we all not know God? Do we need to have an altar call here? Me first. <laughs> For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him who ever loves God must also love his brother. This little test from John. Where does it leave you? I know where it leaves me. Where does it leave you? In light of current events that I just mentioned, 
Where should you have been? What should you have done? How do we sit by and let that happen? And if we know who this person is, you know, I'm using this as an example, but it happens in other ways, in petty little ways, in different things. Where do we choose to do right? This love is not passive, it's active. It gets in the face of the wrongdoer and says, you gotta stop. Love for me meant beating my head against the kitchen cabinets (laughs) and going back to my wife and saying, Patty, I am so, so sorry. And it meant going before the Lord and saying, I'm a jerk. (laughs) I need you. I need you to live through me and help me with these flippant things that come out of my mouth. So the question, God, here's what I want you to do for me. This is what I'm looking for. That's the question that's out in front of us. He's called you to love. How does he need to help you to love? Maybe your prayer goes something like this. God, how can I love others when my head and heart are so screwed up? Lord, look what I've done. How can you even love me? God, I sit paralyzed when I know I should speak up. Give me the strength and wisdom to stand by the hurt and the lonely. Give me the boldness and grace to speak to the angry and those who do wrong. God, help me to abide. Or maybe, God, I don't know. I just don't know. John tells us God is love. God sent his son to demonstrate that love. We can have that love. Then we're called to love. And we can do that by abiding in his love. We'll put a couple of scriptures up on here. We'll read them through. I'll read them through. And then they're both going to be up there. And I'm going to close with a song. Um, I'm not going to sing. <clears throat> but I want you just to be quiet and, and meditate for the first part of the song. It'll fade out and then I'll close us in prayer. <clears throat> I just want you to think. You know, there have been talk about revivals and those kinds of things. I'm not, I'm not calling for us to revival in here. I'm calling for revival in here. Just you and the Lord saying, what am I doing? Am I playing games? Where am I? I spent a couple months of my freshman year playing, wrestling with that thought. What am I doing? Lord, help me out. What, do I, what am I doing? Am I going to believe this thing or am I going to chuck this thing? What am I going to do? Psalm 27. One thing I've asked for, I've asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon this beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock 
And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy, and I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Before you switch to the next one. You know, this is a truth flowing from David, but I think there is something underneath this of what David is saying, where his heart is, where he wants to be, looking for peace and contentment. And so in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus kind of puts a spin on what David had said. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That intimacy and fellowship that David was looking for, that God would lift his head, Jesus says, you come to me. Rest in me. David, going into the temple. I'm going to rest in you, God. Take my yoke upon you. I'll give you peace, and I will lift your head. I will let you love. I will help you love, and I will always love you. You know, there are things that are going on on campus. I want to remind you, Wednesday morning, the prayer time, There's nothing magical about the prayer time. This is what that prayer time is for, to just come and pray together, to just put your burdens out there. You don't have to speak them out loud. It's just a time to come and pray. There's other prayer groups. There are small groups. There's worship times. I encourage you to take that opportunity to just fellowship with God and say, am I abiding Because, God, it doesn't seem like your love is coming through me very much. So listen to this song. These scriptures are going to be up on the screen together. Read them through. Meditate them. Listen to the words of this song. And then I'll close this in prayer. Let's bow your head or look at the screen. But let's just pray.
Father, we thank you for loving us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember to be still sometimes. Know that you are the Lord. That you loved us so much that you took that step to offer Jesus on our behalf for all that we've done, past, present, future. That we can have the intimate relationship with you, we can abide in you. And Lord, from that, would your love flow through us? Lord, may we be a campus characterized by love. May we be a people characterized by love. May I be a husband and a dean and a son and a dad marked by love. Lord, help me to get out of my own way sometimes so that your love can keep me in check. Help us to do what's right, to stand for one another, to show the love, even when it takes guts, that we would be there for one another. Thank you for the love. We can't ever repay it. But may we demonstrate through our life that we appreciate it. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.